This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Shattered Lives. I'm Paul Healy, Chief Reporter with the Irish Daily Star. Today our crime correspondent Michael O'Toole will be speaking to reporter Nicola Donnelly about the Drogheda feud. Nicola brings her significant expertise covering one of the most unpredictable and violent feuds in recent years, with a particular focus on the horrific murder of Keane Mulready Woods, the reasons behind it and who carried it out. Nicola Donnelly, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, Mick. Right, so Nicola is an expert in two areas of journalism which are really important to the star. One is she's one of the country's top court reporters. And the second area, which is why we have dragged Nicola onto Shattered Lives today, is she's an expert on Drogheda, particularly the Drogheda feud. Now, I have to say, before we, we, we go any further, I have to be honest, I don't know as much as I should as a crime reporter about the Drogheda feud. But Nicola is the reason why I don't know as much as I should about the Drogheda feud because Nicola control is the has ownership of the of the feud in the Star and the Mirror, uh, and so she's the, the expert. And I'm quite happy, and it's a sort of relief to me that Nicola has taken over that, so I can concentrate on other stuff. And it's a real source of comfort for me that Nicola knows so much. So we never get scooped. Nicola always scoops everybody else, and it just le- takes the the burden off me. So I'm really, really grateful for all the stuff Nicola does. So. Now we're going to, I'm going to go on a learning journey with the listeners. So I'm going to learn as much as I can about the Drogheda feud as well as the listeners. So it's going to be interesting for me to hear the whole, the whole big story and, and the full background. How's that? <laughs> okay, so what we've decided to do is to focus the, 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 the whole background of the Drogheda feud around one murder. And that's the murder of, everybody would know about it now, of Keane Mulready Woods. And obviously that, that the murder of the young fella and his dismemberment really shocked the nation. Now, Nicola, you've been covering it, the murder of Keane Mulready Wood since day one and, you know, the feud before that. So in recent weeks, two men were jailed as part of the Garda probe into that murder. What can you tell us about those men? Well, Mick, firstly, we, we, we can talk about Paul Crosby, um, 27-year-old. He um, He's actually one of the main protagonists in this feud on the anti-Maguire side, as we call it. Um, he was jailed for 10 years for assisting Robbie Lawler um, in the murder. Now, his role, as Gardy saw it as, was that he phoned Keane and organised to meet him outside a shop in Drogheda. Um, Keane met up with him. They went into the shop. Keane bought a, a, a soft drink and they came back out. And then Keane was lured then into the car 
that um, the second man, Jared Cruz, um, was driving and they drove him back to the house in Mullen Park where Robbie Lawler subsequently then murdered and dismembered him. Uh, Paul, as I said, got 10 years and Jared Cruz, um, who actually wasn't on the Garda radar, has been involved in this feud. Um, he got seven years in jail um, and he claimed to Gardaí that he actually didn't even know what was going to happen to Keane when he dropped him off at the house. So essentially one man lured him to his death and the other man drove him to his death. Would that be fair? That would be fair. Okay. And I noticed, I always, I thought this is a really great headline the day after they were sentenced because I, I don't know, was it yourself or somebody on the back bench, maybe in the start, noticed that together their their years were 17, which was how old Keane was when he was murdered. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was quite uh, an impacting, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk a bit more about the, the murder of Kilman Reedy in a wee while, but let's go back to go forward. This was obviously part of the, the Drahada feud. Well, what's the, what's, what is the background to the feud? Why did it erupt? Well, Mick, the background to this feud is that, um, Basically, in in the town of, of Drogheda, Owen Maguire, he heads the Price Maguire Organised Crime Gang, along with uh, now deceased Cornelius Price. Um, he had a gang and, you know, dealing with drugs and distribution of drugs. And that gang split into two divisions and it was overselling rights in the town as well as in the Moneymore estate. Um, there was no doubt there was probably other issues that caused the fallout, but um, there was a split in the gang. Now... The feud really escalated um, in July 2018 when Owen Maguire was shot shot several times by Robbie Lawler. Um, that happened uh, near his home in cement on Cement Road. Um, Owen survived, but he remained paralysed in a wheelchair. But then, um, following that incident, um, you know there was uh, shoot, there was hundreds of incidences of assaults, attacks. There was a kidnapping. Houses were being petrol bombed, suspicious devices were placed under vehicles, there was acts of intimidation. And as we know, then there's been four murders in this feud and several attempted murders, um, you know, since since then, since 2018. And one, one thing that I find really interesting here, it just chimes with me from other feuds that we've covered. We've obviously in Shattered Lives have covered the Ken and Hutch feud an awful lot. And then before that, there was the what we would call the the Crumlin Drimna feud. Now, what's interesting there is that in the Crumlin Drimna feud, that was one gang that hived off into two. Same with, like, Gary Hutch was part of the Kinnahan cartel and he split off from them and then there was the feud erupted there. So it sounds familiar in this case that it was criminals working together and then they break off. And that, for some reason, that when they do go their separate ways or they hive off, it does seem to create huge tensions and the feuds emerge from previous friendships gone wrong. Exactly, and that's exactly the case here. The the, the anti-Maguire faction that we call it, because we can't uh, name many of those involved on that side because they're before the courts um, on serious charges, but like these were young lads working for Owen at, when they were in their teenage years. I mean, you know, they, they, they sold drugs for Owen. They they were known as corner boys, as, as the, the word they used. Um, so, I mean, when this split happened, there was, and we saw it, there has been serious hatred on both sides. Um, I mean, one of the main protagonists who we can name is Paul Crosby, who we said earlier had been sentenced um, for facilitating the murder of um, Keane Mulready Woods. I mean, 
this guy, like, I mean, I, I covered Drada Court for over 10 years and seen them all come through it. But this guy, there was no fear in these, these in the anti-Maguire side. I mean, there was one one day in court where I witnessed um, uh, Owen Maguire's associates were in court. There was the anti-Maguire faction in court. And Crosby went up to one of Owen's associates and had a few words with him and basically laughed in his face in the courtroom before he was like, thank God, swiftly removed from the courtroom. But later that same day, more of the anti-Maguire side sat beside um, Maguire's associates to, to intimidate them even further. I mean, it was from a journalist's point of view, I mean, this was just, you know, surreal watching this unfold right in front of me in a courtroom. Does it, the fact that it's a small town, a relative, I know it's, it's the biggest town in Ireland, but it is a town, it's not a city. Mm. Does that make it more concentrated and more personal? Like, say, for example, the Kinnan Hutch feud, you know, there were parts of North Inner City, South Inner City and, you know, Deep South. County Dublin. So there was a, a wide expansive area. It seems here that it's really within a few kilometres of each other. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, as you say, Drogheda is a big town, but like there's a lot of people down there that, that everyone seems to know everyone. Um, and because, it, yes, it was in a, in a concentrated area, like Moneymore Estate, where the anti-Maguire faction were based, isn't too far from Cement Road, where Maguires are based. And, you know, it's a it's a town where... You know, it's it's quite tight knit community as well. Um, so I mean, yeah, that that made it more more intense, and the fact that like most people knew each other down there. So, you know, it was it was quite frightening, really. Okay, so just again in reference to the Kenan and Hutch feud, we know that the Kenan cartel is much bigger than the Hutch organized crime gang. Okay, would the same would that be the same in Drogheda? Is is one gang bigger than the other or are they equal size or similar size? It, it's it's hard to tell really, Mick, but um, I would say that the, the Maguire, Maguire side at one stage would have been a lot bigger. They would have had a lot of contacts overseas in the UK and around the country, um, whereas the anti-Maguire side are lads in their, you know, early 20s, mid 20s. Um, they would have had contacts with um, Robbie Lawler, who was older, and may have had some contacts with with uh, Dublin criminals as well. But um, but in saying that, like I mean, Gardy have already identified over two hundred people that have been involved in both sides. So I mean, that's quite a lot, a lot of people, really. That's an awful lot of people for for such a small place. And I presume, and I'm presuming that you know they're not they're, they're from a, a, a they're they're from really from only certain parts of Drogheda. Really. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. They would so that be makes it really concentrated. Yeah, yeah concentrated in, in certain estates and certain areas of, of the town. Right. So, uh, as you say, there were there were over 200 incidents. And, you know, it was quite serious. I remember, I think even I remember at one stage, the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, went up, you know, and I know remember uh, the, the former chief for the Louth Division, Christy Mangan, he put in a special operation. Was it Operation, was it Operation Stratus? Yes, it was Operation Stratus. Now that that was implemented um, just after Owen Maguire was shot in two thousand and eighteen, and that operation actually continues um, today in a bid to dismantle these uh, these feuding gangs and and drug gangs in the town. And you're right, there it was in two thousand and nineteen when Garda Commissioner Drew Harris deployed uh, the Garda Emer- Emergency Response Unit to the town, and this was all part of. The, the plan to deal with these feuding gangs. 
Um, yep, and with Operation Stratus, like, I mean, that involved every unit in Drogheda Garda Station from uniform guardy, local detective units, drug units, the armed support unit, the emergency response unit. Um, also involved with helping them out was the Garda National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau, the National Bureau of Criminal Investigation and the Criminal Assets Bureau. So, I mean, it was a very, very big operation. So they poured all the assets in. And I seem to recall, I also seem to recall that there was a disproportionate amount of recently attested new guardy were sent to Drogheda at one stage. They were indeed. They they put a lot of resources in there. Yes, huge resources went in to um, try and get on top of this huge, which which they have. They they have got on top of it. But um, like senior guardy have said that the feud isn't over. But it has settled down a lot. They have a lot of people before the courts, in prison. Several have fled overseas. You know, it has quietened down an awful lot than it was during, you know, 2019-20. Okay, so there have been four murders. Now, we're going to, we're going to talk about Keen Mulready Woods and Robbie Lawler in a wee while. But there were two other murders in as part of this. Talk to me a wee bit about them. Uh, well, the first murder um, came in August 2019 um, up at Clotterhead Caravan Park. Um, a lad called Keith Brannigan. Um, now, he wasn't involved in much of this feud. He 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 was targeted because he was a friend of, of, of the anti-Maguire uh, faction, the, the boss man there. And um, he, he was shot dead as he was laying decking, you know, on a summer's day in August. Um, outside the, the mobile home he was working on. Um, I mean, his murder, it actually came as a huge shock and everyone was, you know, frightened in the town over this because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a player at all in this feud. So he was an easy target, was he really? An easy target and to get, I suppose, at the anti-Maguire faction that this is what, what they can do. So that would have been come from the, the side that Crosby was part of? Essentially, Crosby was yes, yes. The, the, so that that side of the feud, that side of the feud that Crosby was 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 um, involved with. Um, Keith Brannigan would have been, you know, Crosby's boss man's friend. Okay, no, I I, I actually I was in Clarehead after for, for that for that murder that day, and I can remember all murder scenes are, are really terrible. But it just what look it was it was in a a caravan park, and it was and you could see. The, the caravan where he was shot, he was working, as you say, he was working on the deck and you could really see it from the road. And, and it was quite eerie. And I also remember, it's coming back to me now, I also remember, I think there was a car was hit with a couple of bullets as well, were there? There's was a it? shop, yep, there was a shop beside the caravan park. Um, as I said, it was the height of the summer. There was families around. There was a couple of cars parked in the front car park at the shop. And I think it was two of those cars were hit with, with stray bullets. Now, there was children in the shop getting ice cream, uh, parents, you know, with the children and that. I mean, anyone could have easily, any innocent person could have easily or child could have easily been hit with a stray bullet that day. It's just completely reckless. Yeah, it brings home how callous and you're right, how reckless it is. I mean, you know, because it's by the sounds of thing, you know, they let off a volley of shots. It wasn't just aimed at the poor man himself. So you're, you're right, it could have been anybody. So. What happened after that? Then there was another murder. I think it was was it October, November that year? It was uh, November, November that year, um, two thousand and nineteen. Um, Richie Carberry. Now he 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 was a known drug uh, trafficker. Uh, he worked with the anti Maguire side. Um, he was arriving home at his house 
late at night, but I think it was around 11, 11.30, and um, a gunman opened fire and shot him in his driveway. Um, he, he, he was, you know, practically pronounced dead at the scene. Um, he, I think it was, he, he was shot several times in the stomach area. Um, so, I mean, within what, August, September, October, three months, we had two murders. Yeah, things were really heating up. And I had, they were. I, I know there've been arrests in relation to those two murders, but I don't think anybody's been charged in relation to anything. There, there's been several arrests. Uh, there's been no charges as yet. And, you know, this goes back many, 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 many years ago. And actually, in, I always remember it was March 2000. I was working for the Irish News and I was just leaving to join the Star. And one of the last big stories I did in the Irish News was to interview the Angarda Commissioner, Pat Byrne. And it was about the Uma bomb, which was in 1990. And he said something to me, which has always stayed with me. You know, he basically said, we know who carried a Duma bomb. And he said, there's a difference between knowing something and proving it in court. So, and that's always stayed with me. So I presume that the guards have a very good handle on who and who was involved in why with these, but getting the proof. Exactly. It's, it's proving, it's proving is, 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 and getting the charges um, is, is the, the important aspect on this. Can we just talk about Operation Stratus again for a moment? You, you mentioned all the, the specialist units and all the guard units, local and national, that were involved in this. Is it fair to say that, you know, the, I'm not going to say they've got the upper hand, but the, the, the tide seems to have turned and that they do seem to have got a handle on this and have seemed to have fought back against the gang? They have. They have indeed. Um, I mean, uh, you know, there was, as we said, there was a huge, huge, huge amount in, involved in, in bringing this feud under control. Um, they have a handle on it. Um, but as as I said, Senior Guardy have, have said that they don't believe the feud is actually over. Um, you know, but at least they know what they're dealing with and how they quickly they did get it under control. You know, sadly, lives had been lost. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it is under control. Right. And I remember Christy Mangan, as I said, he was the chief for Loud. He's now retired. But I remember an interview with him before he went and he spoke about how important it was for the Gardaí, you know, for the people of Drogheda to get, to, to take these gangs on and to make Drogheda safe and safer for the people of Drogheda. So you could, I just remember listening to him and you could sense how important it was to him and to his members in the, the Drogheda district and the Loud division. Oh, of course. Like, I mean, he he wanted to reassure the, the people of Drogheda, like that they were doing everything they could to get on top of this feud and to put away behind bars the people involved and, you know, just try and clean up the streets. Um, You know, huge investments went in. I mean, like a regular occurrence down there nightly was the, the, the guard helicopter was out, you know. There wasn't, I don't think, a night went by where the helicopter wasn't out keeping an eye on, on, on these gangs and, you know, you know, trying to, to, to help out as best they could with, with, with it all. And because I remember, I mean, you mentioned the emergency response unit the year. I remember, obviously, our office is in, is in Talbot Street and that was the epicentre, really, of the, the feud, the Kinnan Hutch feud in 2016, 2017. And I remember, you probably remember yourself, Nicola, I don't know if you were ever caught up in checkpoints by the ERU and the ASU and spe- I'll go all through the alphabet special detective unit and everything. And, you know, you know I mean, I, I can tell you, senior guards, are not happy when they have armed guardian on the streets. They really don't like it because they're, they're a community police force. So I presume the same thing happened up there, that there were these big checkpoints. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, one of the regular occurrences outside uh, Drogheda District Court, um, court used to sit on a Friday there, I think it's changed to Mondays now, um, was the, the armed response unit um, sitting outside the, the courtroom or the courthouse every every Friday morning. 
Now, this was because there was days where there was both sides of the feud up. Um, there was days when there was one side up and then other days with the other side were up. But like on the days when both sides were up, as I mentioned earlier about Crosby, you know, going over to, to the, you know, his, his rivals in the courtroom and, and laughing in his face. I mean, like a regular, regular occurrence was the, the, the armed support unit. And when the feud died down um, in 2020, I was, I was still covering court down in Drogheda. And you kind of look out and you go, God, there's no armed support unit today. And it came as a relief, you know, to feel, I know, you know, having them there was, 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 was brilliant because it was a security. If anything did happen, you know, innocent, innocent people, you know, would have been in court that weren't involved in the feud and like not seeing it there was, you know, a relief in a way, you know, wow. it was, yeah. And just, just about, you mentioned in the court, did you ever... Uh, were you ever worried for your own safety in the court? Thankfully, no. Um, no, no, that's the honest question. I don't know why. Um, I think probably because uh, they probably weren't interested in targeting me, even though I was writing about them and, you know, doing the court reports on them and, and, and uh, stories and articles for the star as well. Um, thankfully, no, I wasn't um, fearful. Um, there was enough guards around anyway. If, if there was any chance of, of being fearful. OK, that, that's good to hear. Right. So I mentioned there have been four murders and we've spoken about two there. I want to talk about Keen Mulready Woods because he really, you know, I, I think his his murder, did, as I said, did shock the nation. And it probably went around the world because it's certainly one of the most gruesome murders I've covered. There have been other dismemberments, but the fact that he was he was essentially a kid. What what can you tell me about him? What What is Keen's story? Well, Keane grew up in Drogheda, as we know. Um, he was the youngest of five children in in a family um, that lived in the town. Um, from what I know, he left school at a, an early age, but unfortunately then he was he was groomed into um, uh, this drug gang um, in his early teens um, to be a drug debt collector and an enforcer. And he, you know, he went around the town and he was, you know, sporting designer clothes and riding his scrambler bikes. Now, he was involved with a lot of intimidation in, of people in the town. Um, and I actually covered uh, a court case he was involved in when he was 15. Um, it was his bail hearing. Um, he was up for threatening to burn a family out of their home. Um, he subsequently got a suspended sentence for that. But like he was he, he, he was threatening and intimidating people who owed drugs. Um, he worked for the Maguire side, but then he was suspected of playing both sides of the feud, which is, you know, one of the reasons why possibly Robbie Lawler targeted him as well as the fact that Robbie suspected him. But it was never proven that he was somewhat involved in, in, in the shooting of Richie Carberry. Now, Richie Carberry was Robbie Lawler's brother-in-law. So, um, you know, but in, in the run up to Keane's murder, like in the weeks beforehand, Gardy actually had warned him that his life was in danger. And he, yeah, and he, so much so that he did take it seriously because he started to wear a ballistic vest. Now that ballistic vest was found um, in a bonfire shortly after his murder near the house um, he was killed in. They were, they, they they try to destroy um, evidence and his his ballistic vest as long along with other stuff they threw on the bonfire. Isn't that shocking that a seventeen yeah. year old child has to wear seventeen years a, of age? Yes, yeah. mother God. And you know, I'm just thinking actually, it's just come to my mind. 
I know that um, uh, Justice Minister Simon Harris is, is, is bringing in legislation that's going to be a criminal offence to groom children exactly. to be involved in crime. And that, I mean, you know, that is what was, what it seems to me, that was what that was done in this case. Somebody groomed this child to be involved in criminality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ployed him with money and, you know, designer gear and, you know, you know, do this and we'll pay you so much money. And I mean, for for a 15, 16, 17 year old to have access to, to a, a lot of money, you know, it's, they're easy targets, easy targets. So, and that's how he, essentially he was on one side and he got caught up in the feud, essentially. Exactly. Essentially, that's that's the, the, the case. And as as I said, um, Robbie Lawler is is the man that Gardy know and believe killed him. Now, he, as I said, he was the reason Robbie targeted him was because of uh, being involved in or suspected of being involved in, in somewhat in um, his brother-in-law, Richie Carberry's murder. But as I said, that, that has never been, been proven. So, um, so from what I remember, um, Keane's, parts of Keane's body were, was, he, he was killed and he was stabbed. Was he stabbed to death? Do we know? There was an implements. There was implements used um, uh, that came out in 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 the sentence and hearing of Cruz and Crosby, a drill and other implements. Ah, God, love the poor chat. So part of his, you know, he was dismembered, and part of his body was dumped in a bag in Coolock in North Dublin, and it was found in a green area. I recall. Yes, in Moatview. Right. Okay. Um. And Degardy, as you say, two men are serving sentences for facilitating the murder. But did Gardy have a good picture of what happened and who else was involved? Um, yeah, they Gardy are satisfied that Robbie Lawler actually murdered and dismembered Keane. But they do believe that there was other people involved in dis- different aspects of, of the murder. Um, now, they have made arrests since uh, 2020, since Keane's murder. And they are hopeful that, that at least five more people are to be charged with different aspects of of the, of the murder. But the, 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 effectively, the person they believe carried out the murder was Robbie Lawler. I think we might talk about him because he really was a serious criminal. Not only was he a gangster, but he was a serial killer and he was someone who was accustomed to significant violence. Indeed, indeed he was. And I mean, I remember after his murder, so he was shot dead in Ardoin. In on the border between North and West Belfast in April 2020 and he was shot as he was coming out of a house. Now there are people before the courts in Belfast who are going to be we're not going to go into that but we can talk about his background I mean I remember after he was murdered I did a piece in the Star saying that he was implicated in at least five murders including that of uh, young Keane and I remember there was which is probably significant he was blamed for a murder in 2018 of a man called Kenneth Finn, who was killed in Kulak and he would have been an associate of a man that we call Mr Big, a well-known criminal in that area. But there were even, you know, I can remember he was blamed for murders in 2010, uh, a fellow called Noel Deans, and then there was uh, a murder in 2005 when he would have been, what is he, was he, was he 39? 38, 39, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so even 2005, you know, he would have been relatively young. So, but there's no doubt that man was a, a serious criminal and before he was murdered he had been on trial for attacking a woman and threatening to kill another woman. Now he was acquitted of both of them but he was, you know, this man was no stranger to violence and he was one of 
the major targets for the Garda Shia and every guard in Dublin would have known who he was and his fearsome reputation for violence. Now, um, this brings us on to something else. Uh, in, in a few minutes, you've, you've got this really, I think it's quite eerie, sensational recording of Robbie Lawler. Shortly before he was murdered, he, was, he got out of prison, as I say, he'd been on remand for attempted murder and, and threats to kill. But he was released from prison. And when he got out of prison, he became involved in a confrontation with a group of young kids, essentially a group of children. And, you know, people may have seen snippets of the video because it was videoed and it was recorded. And, he, you know, I can I can remember watching it myself. He he starts scuffling with kids. And I think the, the children, they were teenagers, stole his gym bag. Right. Now, that's significant because there were uh, flip-flops in the gym bag. Now, is it true that when the, the partial remains of Keane were found in, the, in, the, in a bag in Moveview, there were flip-flops in that bag? There were a pair of flip-flops in the bag. And the, the, the received wisdom is that that was a message by Robbie Lawler taunting the young kids who were involved in this uh, altercation with them. Exactly. Um, the altercation, we can talk about that, that, that happened, as, as you said, shortly after he was uh, released from uh, pr- prison and cleared of, of the murder attempt um, he was in tri- on trial for. Um, it was late December 2019, as far as I recall, and the gang gang of youths, as you say, essentially kids um, in their early teens, teenagers, um, approached him and spotted him in town and... Uh, a short video was then released um, on social media showing them taunting Lawler and punching him and then telling him that this is only the start of it and Lawler hit back and laughed in their faces. I think he on the video it shows him dropping his gym bag which subsequently the the, the, the gang stole which contained his flip-flops um, and his gym gear. Now after that incident and the 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 recording went out the video went out on social media an image emerged later of uh one of uh the gang uh wearing his gym gear with his gym wearing his gym gear holding his gym bag and wearing the pair of uh flip-flops in a way to to mock lawler and to you know antagonize him and 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 get get under his skin basically wow and uh, it obviously worked it obviously worked because, I mean, like leaving the pair of flip flops um, in the bag with, with Keane's limbs in Moteview, like, I mean, this this was a deliberate and obvious sign and to send a clear message to, to, to this gang that uh, uh, he, he was a ruthless criminal and he was not to be messed with and that no act was too savage for him to commit, as, as, as we, we have seen. Now, now you've, you, you obtained, as I say, this WhatsApp voice note that Lawler made about the incident with the kids but just before well, we're going to play this but just can I just ask you um, did Robbie Lawler dismember Keane's body would you know or is that the belief that's the belief um, as far as the, I, I, I am aware that that's the, the, the guard evidence that he um, murdered and dismembered the body I just what must it take in somebody to cut up a child I, I just you know I it's hard to believe, horrific, really, isn't it? Horrific. It is hard to believe. And even to this day, I still find it hard to to get my head around. Uh, you know, we've reported on, on, on the on the incident and the murder and the, the court cases and that. And it's still fine. I still find it hard to get it into my head that this actually did happen. 
you know, okay, it's so just so horrific. Now, we're going to play the, the WhatsApp. Um, now, it, it lasts about five minutes. I don't know how much we'll play. That's up to our uh, esteemed producer, Kieran Bradley, but we'll, we'll certainly play a good chunk of it. So we'll just play that now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave a voicemail. I've been talking for a minute and I had to impress the fucking... That was the end of it. It went on for about 15 minutes. <laughs> it went on for 15 minutes. Started the Lewis. Uh, 11 years, it was 10 years now. Tumped him out over four, bust all the mouths and uh, uh, battered him. And a couple of 20 grand over the top of it, last few slaps and a few of them were terrified. Yeah, stopped school, should have grabbed us and all, and grabbed one of the lads, one of the youngfers, and I was like, oh, let go of him, grab that stuff, picked him, grab my bag, yeah, get your stuff, walk this way. So I walked this way, guard him, and I was going to come. I could have got another fucking 12 months, like, you get me? For fuck's sake, for six months. See, see things like that just happen. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, I walked around the sort of jervis, and I, yeah, come here and tell you, bang on, yeah, I'm talking loads of talk that I definitely wouldn't say to you, but putting him in the spot. Like, oh, no, we didn't, I just, he's dead. But no problem, so when I finished doing what I'm doing, I says, this, the last couple of days, I'll drop down, I'll see you, and uh, just talking around the corner, and bang on. So we took the left, Fernando's, and the right, and a few of them went over to the, the fish shop where, I think they got all the, the, the hardware store, I think they got blades and screwdrivers. So I said, there's a line down there, let's go back to this line. So this, that was this, the last of opening the app, and I said, I'll tell you what to do. Get in there, let's stand it. Bang! <laughs> he says, okay, yeah, all right. And then his brother, who was already busted up, came at me left. You can see him with the blue bag. And bang! Knocked him straight out. And that's where you see me just going back, and then you see me laughing. And uh, so I stepped up. I missed a step up, another 10 steps back. Another fella, bang, put him on his ass. Guard, came around the corner, just kept walking. And they kept walking up. But he took me back. <laughs> gym bag and he had me flip flops <laughs> brand new with the tag and he put a picture of his head for a fair play to him yeah. but uh, that was at the end the past caught me on the thing so uh, but then I heard what I was last night this is what I'm saying uh, oh Robbie's in a hospital he's battered with town he's broke up with bottles he's stripped his clothes and he's very bad and they're waiting outside the hospitals you know all this stuff the kids like, they're 20, 21 it's about 11 you're walking down the Lewis and I seen one or two of them from the area and bits of pieces and I was looking at them and another fella come stairs, Robbie Lola. So wait, look, wait, 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 I still walk. It's over here. There he is, alright. Oh, did you wear uh, Yeah, she says, yeah, what are you gonna do? She says, you fucking cabbage. Like, hey, do something. Do something. There's a gang is. It's fucking handicaps. Do something. He has a blade. I said, don't because I zip with my pockets because my phone says, he has a blade. I said, I don't use blades. I says, I don't use my hands. Come do something. I says, if you're gonna do something, do it. Don't waste me time. So you can see them dropping their bags and I'm walking. I said, and then that's where I started. Bang, bang, bang. I busted a couple of them up there. And then, yeah, the end of the day, that's walked. So I went on about 15 minutes. What you see and what everybody else sees on WhatsApp, on Snapchat, whatever that's on, is the end of it. You get me? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I watch it about 10 times. Yeah, get the whole feel of it. You get me? Look at me, baby, flip-flops. They took me back. I was robbed. But, uh, dirty bastard. It was, it was going up, take the bike back. Yeah, come here, you take cameras. They will gladly help me for a couple of hours. Charge you. Oh, yeah, back up in January the 6th. Yeah. And then you, you see how it rolls. So uh, I just kept walking and yeah, bastard. But, um, <clears throat> uh, that's the older brother as well. He's put his arse as well. You can see his top lip there. It's well. I think you can. Right? Still in town with Arab. <laughs> Look at me flip flops. The <laughs> <Tea> bastards. <laughs> but 
brand new, I swear to God, they're going to know Colour Jocks and all the way now, so they're getting some deep intel on me. So, <clears throat> oh, but they felt it. They felt it, whatever he's telling them. Uh, oh, just moving this table, so I think I smashed it. So, uh, whatever he's telling them all this time, brainwashing them, they felt it ourselves. But the kids, this is what I'm on about, the children. So for me, okay, being experienced kind of fella, for me to be talking about that, it's very embarrassing, you get me? To be talking about that. But see, when someone says it to me and then gets into it, I'll put them straight. But I won't be, yeah, you see what I did yesterday, you want to see this, you know? You don't want to be, you don't want to be that kind of fella, do you? But, um, yeah, it is what it is. What you hear? Did you hear I was in hospital as well? Mashed up? Um, yeah, fucking hell. But I'd love to be on something like that, you know, the way down the old there. And I just say, fair play, this is no other. Well, look at the all now. But if you think about it, if you were so happy with the outcome yesterday, why would you feel like you have to spread that rumour? Yeah. So, oh, my phone fell. I had another phone, my phone fell. So I rang the phone back and uh, I rang and said, How are you keeping? And my phone, my mate's phone didn't ring mine. So, How are you keeping? All right, all right. So, this is Jack. I said, No, who is? I know where your little pansy voice says, You might come. Hell yeah, you got battered by a lot of youngsters. I says, You ask them exactly what happened. They says, You're a dirty, filthy rat. I got off and I felt it in his body. I felt it because I stopped his rhythm and his talk because he knows I can read people. I felt it in his body, in his chest, that he was embarrassed about the outcome of what happened. Excuse me, kids, hold on. Is it? Oh, hey, yeah. So that was, that was the, the recording that you had. I, I listened to it there and I listened to it earlier today. I thought it was very interesting. He was, I thought there was a bit of false bravado about him. I think this incident with the kids clearly got under his skin. It, yeah, it clearly did. But when you listen to him actually speaking about the incident, um, I think with it the day after it or within days after it, um, you know, you can hear him that he's 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 purely like laughing it off, um, playing it down, and you know, joking about that. Oh, they robbed my gym bag, and you know, laughing how they robbed his brand new flip flops that he said still had the tag on them and and that they're just kids you know that he he mentioned that several times that they're just kids so you know at first glance and first listen you just think God, you know he's just playing this off and playing it down and you know didn't think much of it but that's you know completely different to what actually has happened and i know that you, you mentioned about the suspicion about the carberry murder but because of the flip-flops you would think that that played an element in or the video or the incident because I we, I don't know if Keen was involved in the incident with Robbie Lawler but I don't think I would like the, that has never never been proven if he has been but as far as I'm aware the, the guards don't believe he was right so even though Keen wasn't involved in that he was still sending a message to perhaps kids of his age exactly um that he's that he's he, he was ruthless and as I said like not not to be messed with and that he he you know he would he did this savage and absolutely horrific crime. Oh, it's terrible. Now, as you said, as we said, two men are, are in prison in connection with the guard investigation over the death. Robbie Lawler, the suspected and accepted murderer, is dead. Do you think it's likely that other people will be brought before the courts in relation to Keane's death? In relation to the actual murder, I don't think so. Um, but... Investigations are continuing. We did hear from um, a senior detective during uh, the sentence hearing of Crosby and Cruz that the investigation is ongoing and they are identifying all the people that were involved. 
surrounding the murder um, and that they are expecting more people to be charged with for their roles in, 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 in the murder. Um, now, I know that a couple of weeks ago, as, as you know, as you said, the men were jailed and Keane's mother uh, had a victim impact statement, which was read up, I think it was by a senior guard. A senior detective. Uh, senior yeah. detective. Yeah, I found that very move, moving at the time. So, look, perhaps, you know, there will be other, as you say, there will be other cases, perhaps on the fringes or f- facilitating. Nicola, this has been absolutely fantastic. And it's really, I've learned, certainly learned an awful lot from, from your explanation of the job. But can I just ask you one final question? I know you mentioned touched on this earlier that the guards believe that the feud's not dead. What what do you think is next in the feud? Is is it going to continue? Does it have the capacity to explode at any time? Well, with a lot of uh, feud members um, in behind bars at the moment, uh, several have fled overseas, as we, as we have said. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, those involved initially seem to have you know as i said either in prison or fled overseas but you know there is other people coming in to to take over on their patches and take over the feud so i mean it 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 still could explode it still could build because you know there's others coming along that would have known both sides and you know are are, are involved and and continue to be involved so it's anyone's guess like i mean the guards as i said are on top of it and are monitoring it and continue to and their operation stratus is ongoing you know that's that's staying there for for a long time and obviously the other big incident which we haven't really touched on which we can now the death of cornelius price because he was a senior cornelius price was a senior figure in the feud and he died he was, over in wales he did he died uh, a week and a half ago in wales from a, a brain disease he contracted about a year and a half ago um yeah cornelius uh price was um head of the price mcguire organized crime gang along with owen mcguire now the background to where these two came along was um it, it actually goes back to 2006 Um, there were two local drug dealers in drogheda a lad called paul ray and uh a roy coddington now they were they were the ones that were major players. They were the, the the major players in the distribution of drugs in the town at that time. Now both of them, within a year of each other, two thousand and six and two thousand and seven, were murdered. Um. Now, the guardy don't believe that Owen Maguire or Cornelius had a role in in their murder at all. But it was after those two murders that um, Owen Maguire linked up then with Cornelius Price um, and took over the, the, the drugs trade and they formed the Price Maguire organised crime gang. So, I mean, it, that's going back a, a long, long time, 2006. Um, I, I, I covered both those murders. Wow, that's yeah, a I long time ago, Mick. Uh, that, I, I remember them very well. I think I remember there was a suspicion, well, I think with, was it with Roy Coddington, I think there was a suspicion that a hitman who may have killed around 10 people, including people over in Spain, was involved in that. Um, and then Paul Ray, I think Paul Ray was a victim of Eamon the Dawn Dunn. I think um, so. I think you're right there. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah. doing that. So, but all that, that, that wasn't, yeah, that was a long time ago. But I remember what one was, uh, was one, it was Mornington, was he killed around that area? Yeah, uh, Roy Coddington in Mornington. I think Mornington Beach. The beach. Yeah, yeah, the beach. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember it well. I remember, I remember speaking to members of, a member of Paul Ray's family after the murder as well. Just you know, two more victims, you know, whatever. Exactly. They were both victims. So, Nicola, it's been absolutely fantastic. 
I've, I've, I feel as if I've learned an awful lot and hopefully our readers will as well. And thanks for all the great reporting. It's been really fantastic. Thanks, Mick. <laughs>